Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast, coming to you archived from the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, as we always do, this show isn't live, but it's about as close as you can get to it. We put this up right away. Anyways, we are just a few blocks away from the ballpark here at the Blake Street Tavern, one of our favorite places in the world. Uh, always getting taken care of here. You will, too, if you come out. Uh, I suggest coming out for the Michigan game in a few weeks. That tailgate, our buddy Tyler Ziskin was telling us it was going to be really good. So come out to that. I guess it's not a tailgate. It's just a watch party. But, but it's in the tailgate room, so, which could throw a, a folk like you off. Yes, yes. Anyways, before I introduce you to my lovely co-hosts on the evening, i got to tell you about one of our new sponsors, our, our partner over at MyBookie.LV. Football fans are flooding the online marketplace, putting big action on the football games, and then they have to wait weeks to collect their cash. There's nothing more frustrating. That's why thousands of online... You laugh at every one of my reads. That's why thousands of online players are going to mybookie.lv. They offer real Las Vegas odds, incredible player props, and live in-game actions, uh, action with odds updated in real time. And as we just told you, fast, no-hassle pl- payouts when you win... Join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% off or an extra 10% on your deposit bonus uh, when you use the promo code BSN Denver. That's BSN Denver promo code to activate that extra 10%. Expert or rookie, you got to check out mybookie.lv. So sign up today. The reason, I was, up. the reason I was laughing is because you said big action. I thought you were going to be like, lots of people are putting big-ass bets down. <laughs> ah. I, I put some... I, I put some bets down today and matched my deposit and it was pretty darn exciting i mean as the editor i don't know how i feel about ryan saying ass on the podcast i might have to tell Make ryan. your own decisions chef yeah anyways we've got ryan konigsberg joining us today the uh vice president of bsndenver.com will whalen the other former bsn buffs editor that is here uh joining us and Special contributor today, Ted Chalfin, uh, on the podcast, does a variety of things in the CU community. Uh, Ted, welcome yourself into the podcast and let them know about that lovely voice you own. It's good to be here, Shab. It's been it's been a long time. I've been admiring your work from afar, and uh, it's not, I, I've actually been on the radio with you twice. But I don't think a lot of people, as many people, listen no. to that as listen to this. And, and you know what the best part is? You finally admitted that you admire me in some way or fashion. So uh, I appreciate that. I meant, you know, professionally, okay. obviously. Well, obviously. Anyways, uh, a lot of things. Uh, well, one thing the Buffs fans will certainly admire are the CU Buffs absolutely blowing out the Rams. It, it couldn't have been more of a blowout than the CU Buffs winning 44-7 to against the CSU Rams in the Rocky Mountain Showdown last Friday night. Ryan was there. Ted was there. Will was there. We all watched the game separately, so I think we're all going to have a little bit of different opinions about what happened. But unequivocally, we can't agree. They throttled the Rams. It was an absolute dismantling uh, and something that I honestly was not expecting on under any circumstances. But they just came out, and, and I said this once before, they came out onto that field 
and they acted like they were going to win from the first second they got out there. They played like they were going to win and never faltered from that all the way through. And, you know, I was talking to someone. I was like, where did that come from? Like, I don't know where all this confidence came from. But they talked about it all through the offseason. They're veteran players. They're very talented. Like, they have talent across the board. And all those dudes just went out there, and they're like, we're supposed to win. We're going to win. And they won. It was, it was exactly that. And this is a game where I saw people talking on social media about how so often emotion is kind of the X factor for Colorado State in this game. They come into the Rocky Mountain Showdown feeling like they have something to prove. But this year it was completely opposite. Colorado felt like they had something to prove on that field on Friday night. And they came out from the get-go and did it. Uh, and I'd say that's what I was most impressed by is the fact that they came out first, first defensive series, knocked CSU on their asses. That's the second time it's been said. Uh, and then on the offensive this is side. A, this is an ass-half-full type podcast. And on the offensive <laughs> side, <laughs> they knocked him back again, and Philip Lindsay delivering the hammer on more plays than not on that first series. That was, that was the tone setter of the game. And, you know, sometimes watching Colorado in recent years, if they have a good start, I've always kind of been like, okay, when is this going to wear off? Right, when and they have the that punch fumble, and back? it seems like it's right. going to happen there. And it never came. And it never, honestly, it never really felt like it was going to happen. And CSU was running with their tails between their legs early and often. Uh, and that's what, I mean, that was my lasting impression. Just the energy and the physicality that Colorado came out with. I think when Seppo fumbled in the end zone, everybody had a moment of, oh, no. <laughs> and then Alex Kelly recovered, and it was kind of okay. And, and then I noticed something that when Phil fumbled, I think they were up 14 nothing at that point. When Phil fumbled on their third series, I think it was. I felt almost none of that fear that I would normally feel with a 14-0 lead. I kept trying to tell myself rationally, CSU had a 14-point lead last year early, and look what happened to them. Don't get ahead of yourself. I tweeted about that. Yeah. In the middle I of probably the would have if my phone hadn't been dead. But uh, I didn't feel that way. I just felt, oh, it's okay. They'll just stop them again. And well, they did because the CSU offense looked so totally helpless against the CU defense that I had no doubt that they were going to stop them again, they, and they did. They, they came out right away, and, and CSU made very clear that they were terrified to throw the ball right from the get-go. Right. They made clear that if they were going to have success offensively, it was going to be on the ground because that's where their focus was, and they felt like their offensive line could control the line of scrimmage. They felt like... Dawkins could get into space and take advantage of one-on-one -on -one matchups. And when he got into space, for the most part, he had a lot of success. Dawkins had a good night, you know, but, but it was clear early on that CSU's offense was one-dimensional. And as soon as I think they kind of showed their hand in those first couple of drives, you got the sense of, oh, man, they, they don't want to throw against Cheeto Bay Wuzier, against Tedrick Thompson. And you saw that Nick Stevens was very timid in his throwing. He was all over the place all night. But that's something we talked about going into this game is that if CU, CSU got down big, they were going to really struggle to get back into this game because they rely upon the run game. Uh, and they really didn't have an opportunity to. As soon as the buff shot, shut them down four straight times and three and outs, the game was over from there. It was crazy because of the pressure the Buffs were getting. You know, we talked a lot about that in the offseason of they didn't get to the quarterback very much last year, and it puts a lot of pressure on the guys in the back end. We kind of thought they were going to have to rely on those safeties and corners 
that are so talented to keep them, you know, on balance on on defense. And it, they were I'll, getting I'll, to the quarterback. And I don't know if it was CSU was afraid to throw the ball. They they simply couldn't. They couldn't get passes off. And you know, they made Nick Stevens look like Jake Shapiro in the backfield. Like he literally had no idea what was going on back yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Jake doesn't have a whole lot of an idea of what's going on right now. I'm editing. I'm doing the entire board right now. Give me a break. There's a lot of mic passing here on this podcast. Anyways, but what I was going to say, Tedrick Thompson told me that that the pickoff that he had, <laughs> Will hates that mocking Jay from the Rockies game pick so much. Anyways, the, the thing I was going for, uh, or, or the thing I talked to with Tedrick Thompson is that he told me that pickoff that he had was purely based on the defensive line's play. And you saw that a little with the Cheeto pick, too. Uh, that Cheeto kind of got lost in the defense there, and Nick Stevens didn't even see that. And all game you saw, whether it be a Rick Gamboa, a KO, uh, uh, Afolabe Laguda a few times, they were constantly pressuring Nick Stevens in this game. And then uh, Bauta as well. Yeah, Rick Gamboa had a really good game. I, I was less high on him a year ago than some people were. Um, and he, he really impressed me. And that, the play of the defensive line, the play of the linebackers, I thought Colorado, the worst part of their defense in recent years has been their linebacking play. So oftentimes, I've, I've found myself watching them in first and 10, on goal line situations, on third down, asking myself, where the hell are the linebackers? And I thought their linebackers played a really good game on Friday. That combined with the defensive line, putting that much pressure on the backfield, holding their blocks in the run game. It was, and I've seen a lot of a lot of the credit that people have been dishing out has been centered on, on just a few things because what's crazy to think is they won 44 to seven and I didn't think they played that excellent as a, as a cohesive team. There were so many pieces of the game that they didn't execute at a really high level that you would expect from a 44 to seven win. Uh, but the defensive line, the linebackers, the defensive backfield, Jim Levitt's defense was the number one thing that I came away impressed with because I want to see I want to see how the wide receiver blocking holds up in weeks to come. I want to see how the offensive line holds up in weeks to come uh, because I don't have a lot of faith in that inexperienced CSU defense. But the Colorado defense really impressed me. It's been a very long time since they dominated a team with a pulse like that. A very long time. I'm not sure I was even that impressed with the offensive line this week. I feel like watching the game back, Sefo was on the ground in the backfield way too often. I think that's a he product of Sefo. He, he holds on to the that's his he holds on to the ball so long and he always has. This is true. And Nick Stevens was getting everything out in 2 seconds or less cuz he was just totally helpless. But the thing about Sefo though with him holding on to the ball, it's not necessarily him holding on to the ball because he can't find someone. He waits and waits and waits until his guy gets himself open, and you see them make big plays that way. You know, he really waited long on the throw to Devin Ross down the sideline. He waited really long on the throw to Shea Fields. He just has the balls to stand in there and take that hit, knowing it's coming, knowing that his guy is one step away from getting open. But that is that's the definition of a quarterback who has no anticipation. Throw your throw your guys open. And, look, I don't want to hammer on Sefo. I, I was kind of tough on him on Friday, I think, uh, in some of my recaps and my, my tweeting during the game. I I had a lot more to say about his bad throws. That, that 
the th two throws that you just mentioned to Devin Ross and Shea Fields should have been touchdowns if it weren't for Sefo's throws. The, 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 he, he missed a throw to Jay McIntyre in the flat. It should have been a touchdown. He struggled, and, and those, but those are some of the moments that I mean. He struggled making throws in which he's always struggled with. He's right, always right. struggled with those throws. He's always struggled hitting guys on the sidelines, and he struggled with that in this game. I think I think the one the one throw that we've seen him make a lot is the deep pass to Shea Fields that he didn't hit. Perfect. He put way too much air on it. If you're gonna wait for your guy to be that open, trust your arm. Stop trying to touch pass it to let him run under it. Hit him in stride and let him walk into the end zone instead of getting tackled. That I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and just let you bash Sefo after he just had an amazing performance where he stood in there. You can't call it amazing. That was not an amazing performance. What more would you want from him exactly? He should have had three. He should have had three easy. Those were easy touchdowns that he that your senior quarterback missed. Easy. And the team won forty four seven. And but that's the thing is if you're if every excuse this is you use back coming off of injury, there's going to be some rust to shake off. Of course with. there is, but that doesn't mean we can't call his performance what it was. We can call. We can say it was. We can say that the what reason why he didn't exactly? look very. We can say that the reason he didn't look very good. He didn't not look very good. He was he completed you, those passes. He missed one to Jay McIntyre. Just because you complete the pass doesn't mean that it shouldn't have been six. Okay, Ryan, so come was, on. It was six on the next play. Ryan. I've realized number, these number throws one, weren't number, perfect, but he No, they he weren't just the not passes. perfect. They weren't very good. The Devin Ross to, the saved one, him. Okay, the one to saved Devin Ross. Him. That's early in the game. He's still shaking off some rust. The throw to Shea Fields was fine. He missed it by one step. That should be a touchdown walking away. And they they ended up scoring the this possession. So there's it's not about harm done. That doesn't matter. Using 44 to 7 as an excuse for missed plays, for critiques on this team, does nobody any good. And, it, and it's boring, quite frankly. We can say that Sefo did not look very good. He still, his numbers were fine. He did not look very good. We can also say the reason why he didn't look very good is because of X, Y, or Z, and that's fine, too. You can say it was because of rust. That's fine. Maybe it was. But you can't sit here and tell me that Cepho played a great game because either you misread, you watched a different game than I, I did, or you're just not willing to call Cepho out on it because it wasn't a great game. And that's, it, it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be, but it wasn't a great game. Okay, it do, you don't have to call it great. You have to call it good. In the sense that he didn't throw interceptions, okay, sure. But he's missing. If you those want to talk about the missed, ball security when he left the pocket, you can critique that. I, 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 the way I'm he threw the ball was fine. I'm not even. What going was that his numbers? Right. Twenty-two of thirty-one. Twenty-three of thirty-three. Point nine percent passing or something. Like that. not, that's a nice game. How? And yet, there are still throws that your senior quarterback on this kind of year, needs to be able to make. And, the, and I'm not saying he the can't Bryce make The Bryce Bobo throw? Was a dime. Was an absolute That's dime. That's what I'm saying. It was, but again, this is this like ridiculous notion that by me saying that the three most easy walkaway touchdown throws he had, he blew, means that I can't also compliment him on a dime? He really like, overthrew, I mean, he really underthrew the ball to Ross. He was way too conservative there. The throw to Shea Fields... I want to defend a little bit because I had a little bit of a unique position and I was very low to the ground and I could see it kind of head on. And when that ball was released, Sheafields is basically on the sideline when that ball gets released. And he had to cut a really long way. And I actually at first wasn't sure if he was going to get there in time. And Shea made up a lot of so ground and not a throw? lot of time. 
I thought that actually no, I thought that Shea might not have actually caught up to it in time. And then so to say that he floated it too much. Shea Fields is an amazing receiver who has a lot of speed, and he so caught up to it. So you're basically saying Shea Fields had to run out of his way to get the pass? No, the, pa- the pass was – I think the pass was just about where it was supposed to be. He may have put a little bit too much air under it. but He's I think agreeing the, with you, but he's saying Shea Fields surprised him in his athletic ability. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that Shea Fields got there quicker than I, than I was expecting him okay. to. But, that do, but, again, I'm just talking about the throw. And, again, we're – it's a border home. We're we're somewhat nitpicking he had a forty four to seven. For two win. strides. Two but, strides. Yes, he had to but, slow up. but the reason but we're, everybody's the trying reason to figure why, out if it was CU or CSU. Right. And the reason why we're doing that is because of CSU and CU. And the reason why we're doing that is because Sefa Lufau is going to need to make those throws yes. when it comes down to a game like UCLA. You miss those throws against UCLA and you don't win. He didn't miss the throw to Jay. Uh, um, he didn't miss the throw to Jay McIntyre in the, in the flat. He didn't miss the throw to Devin Ross. Devin Ross saved that play. He didn't miss it. That was a terrible throw. He completed the throw. It was a terrible throw. The the definition of missing a throw is not completing it. He made the throw. Uh, Ryan, you're – look. No, because this is – look. I I think CU played really well in a lot of ways. And I've complimented them for almost a week now. But – what, what is everybody just going to say 44 to 7 for the rest of the year? That's that's stupid. It's immature. It's not perfect. It, it it's didn't even make the front page of the Denver Post. Sense. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, we have the to ran, be able the to look Post at that game never and critique The Denver Post went back and changed that headline. So, according to the Denver Post, Rams still <laughs> own the state. They need to maybe rectify that. But you need to but, be able to critique plays in this game without people attacking you to say, oh, 44 to 7. Oh, he played I'm not three. attacking oh. you. I'm just saying he had a good game. But not for a fifth, not for a senior quarterback that you are hoping to go to a bowl game and take the next leap as a program was. I'll critique his running outside. He the needs to get bigger. His diving. He ne- or better. He needs first. to get better. There's I'll no critique, doubt about it. I'll critique it. that. He needs to get better. Okay. If he plays that game against UCLA, you lose. We'll stop talking. I gotta tell you about the Colorado Kickoffs. Thirty flat screen TVs in there. You'll be able to watch any game you want. So next Saturday, college football, you're watching the games of the Colorado Kickoffs. But I didn't even tell you the best part. They were the home for Colorado craft beer, nitros, IPL, IPAs, owls, IPAs. and stouts. That could be a good little hybrid, a little IPL, which I know it's already an India pale ale, but like more ale, less India. <laughs> it's like Arnold Palmer, but beer. Um, right. They, they are the home for Colorado craft beer. You've got to head out to the Colorado craft uh, keg house. They are out uh, on 36th and Wadsworth, so perfect place uh, in between Boulder and Denver. So if you're going one way or the other, stop by there right next to the Broomfield Event Center. And when we come back from this commercial break, we are going to discuss the Colorado State Rams. And if it has to do uh, more with the Rams or more with the Buffs, I also want to get into the uh, Buffs uh, with Cephalufau sliding. Was that a problem with Mike McIntyre? We're also going to talk about the Buffs receiving votes in the AP poll. We asked you guys questions. We got questions. We have a lot lot coming to you on this podcast, so stay tuned. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. 
preferred organic therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana oils and creams, Marcaha oral tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that preferred organic therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred organic therapy, a better way to heal. Don't miss the Yamaha Get Out and Ride sales event at Coyote Motorsports. With low APRs, huge customer cash, and more on Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. From championship Yamaha sport bikes and YZs to sport ATVs and side-by-sides and grizzly biking and Wolverine models. So see Coyote Motorsports today for huge Get Out and Ride savings. Offers good 216 through 63016 on select Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. See Coyote Motorsports for details. Back on the BS. Oh, Buffs so pod- many good ones. <laughs> Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, it's that time of year again, and we have a new opportunity for you to make some serious cash while watching football. The site is called mybookie.lv, and thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there. They offer real Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about mybookie.lv is the fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. Join now, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up and deposit today. Make sure you use promo code BSNDenver to activate. That's promo code BSNDenver. Expert or rookie, you've got to go check out mybookie.lv. Ryan? Jake? You were in the stands for the first time in a long time yes, for I that was. CU-CSU game. From your view in the stands, do you think that game said more about the Rams or more about the Buffs? I don't know. I had kind of a blurry view of things. But honestly, <laughs> uh, on my second watch of the game, I, I think it was – I don't think you can really attribute it to one side. Um, the Buffs did something in college football that I think is the most important thing of all college football, and that's plays that get you easy yards. They had so many plays, and that's a big thing – talking about this Darren Shiverini wrinkle that they threw into the offense, they get easy yards, and I think that that above all else in a college football offense is the single most important thing. To be able to get four to six yards by just flicking the ball out to the sides and those wide receivers blocking their tails off is incredible. I mean, that is the mark of a successful offense. So I think you have to put something into that. I think you have to put something into Nick Stevens being a literal dead body trying to play quarterback. Uh, so there's Will's going to be a dead body the way this is going. <laughs> so there's certain himself. things. I think this, the secondary is strong, but like for, I just want to see like a living human play against the secondary so I can make sure that they're as legit as they looked. Was Faton Bauta living enough when he signaled that first down for you? That was. One, that was something else, man. I'm so glad that that, that someone That's with three. a lot of followers saw that and tweeted about it, so it went viral because that was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. It, it was, the, it, I mean, the thing that I loved about that game was that it was it got to a point where CU fans were comfortable enough to give like Bronx cheers when CSU would do something good, like we were playing some school, like I can remember playing. Um, 
some schools in in like like Jackson State in basketball or whatever, where you would get, you would Bronx cheer when they would do something well. It felt like that kind of game. And man, going into it, I did not think it was going to be like that. I thought this was going to be like a one or two possession game. I actually did. And I think to me, I love the way CU came out. I love the way they played. CSU had no game plan on offense beyond we are going to run the ball and we are going to establish the run. It was like once that happened, it was like Mike Brobo just froze and turned into like the spinning wheel of death. It was like his game plan was to run into the line twice and then throw a screen pass at a guy's feet, and that was every series. That was wild. I mean, Mike the Bobo worst got offense I've ever so seen. outrageously outcoached in that game that if he, like, it was literally, it was a fireable offense how badly he coached in that game. He had no game plan on either side of the ball, if really. If Mike McIntyre coaches that poorly in that game, he gets fired. He's not coaching right now. He's, he's literally looking for a job if he got that badly outcoached. Uh, like, when you watch, like, when you watch the, side, the game and they, like, cut to the sidelines and they show Mike Bobo, he literally, like, he's a, a personification of the Mr. Krabs meme. Um, this, is the, this is the question that I asked right after the game. It's a question I've asked throughout the past week almost. Um, I don't think that I have a, a full read on it yet, but if I had to make a call, I think it's it says more about Colorado in the sense that in how many times since 2010 have we said that a Colorado team did what they were supposed to do? Not saying that they – I mean, they weren't even supposed to win this game by 37. But after watching the game and seeing the difference in talent, the different difference in athleticism and physicality, they, they should have blown that team out now that we've seen the evidence. And then when you look at the box score, you look at the final score, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. I haven't said that about Colorado a whole lot since 2010. That's why I want to say that it tells me more about where CU is or is headed than it does about CSU. I don't think very much about CSU, but still. I think it's the first time in a long time, and this is what you're kind of alluding to, that the Buffs have exceeded expectations in a game. Uh, yes, the Rams didn't meet their own, and I kind of take Ryan's approach where it was one of each. Both the Rams did not play to their abilities, and the Buffs played uh, better than we thought they would. But to me, it said a ton about the Buffs because never has their mentality been in a spot under Mike McIntyre where if they get up, they stay, you know, they don't stay up when they get up. Uh, in games, even in conference, they've been up in a few times, uh, uh, and they, they don't stay up in those games. So you look at that game, and Mike McIntyre even said a post game where he said, you know, when we went up 21 nothing, I kind of had a thought in the back of my head where it was maybe this isn't such a good thing kind of thing. And he said, you know, but that got answered really quickly. So you, you're looking at how the Buffs approach this game from not a – because we know they have a better physical and athletic team than the Rams. They should every year. But from a mentality standpoint, the Buffs outplayed the Rams mentally, and that says a lot to me. Mike McIntyre might want to learn how to play with leads because if he's not careful, he's going to get his starting quarterback knocked out yet again. That was really odd. Uh, what, what, like, the, it wasn't, like, at first I was, like, I was almost irate. I was, like, as a, as a head coach, how can you be this irresponsible? And then it kept happening, and I was severely confused. Yeah, I, I, I have no, I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I felt people overreacted a little bit about Cepho going back into the game for his, after the, when he was down on the field, 
when people were freaking out about his actual health, like that he had a concussion. When you watch him walk out the field, he doesn't look like a guy who just got a concussion. Right. He might, he got shaken up. He actually fell on the ball. I don't know if he had the wind knocked out of him, but he. It's not like he had just had a concussion and they Luke Falked him back out on the field. Well, if you if you believe him, a, that's he just laid term. there because he was pissed off. Yeah, I mean that's which not is true the either. lamest but excuse. He was shaken up, but it wasn't a head injury. That being said, it makes no sense. I have no idea why they kept trotting him back out there. Like, not only should you be worried about getting your starting quarterback hurt, and like Mac Brown said on the call, you definitely tell him he's not allowed to run the ball, but you need to get reps for your yes, backup quarterback. Like, yes. Invaluable experience. For Steven Montez was left on the field on Friday night. That final Mike drive McIntyre was no was experience at all. Being stubborn, or I, I mean, I don't know what it was. My grandma even asked this to me, and I had a hard time explaining it to her because I really didn't have an explanation. But why is Cephalufau on the field? Is it because they're trying to run up the score? I really don't don't understand what the benefits are. Yeah, if Mike McIntyre in the, in the post game came out and was like, honestly, we were trying to score fifty, I'd be like, yo, do you, bro? Like, I would have so if if that's your goal, if you're like. Yo, CSU's been talking trash. We want to embarrass them. I mean, word. I don't like it, but word. But the fact that they had no explanation for it doesn't doesn't. He didn't in, in the post game. Mike McIntyre didn't even have so much to say. Of you know what, I shouldn't have had him out out there. That's my fault. The he's head coach really, didn't take responsibility. All, all he really said was that. About it. All he, was he said, right. All he said was that he liked too. the. All he said was he liked the flow of the offense and he wanted to keep the flow of the offense. Well, guess going. what, coach? That 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 does. When you're up forty-four to seven, that doesn't matter anymore. Look out for the health of your team. You want to learn how your team handles uh, a lead? You need to learn how to handle a lead. That was extremely irresponsible. Well, the funny thing is, is that Sefo comes back and leads another touchdown drive, handing it off every single play. And I can see why McIntyre may have wanted to put a touchdown on the, on the board in the second half to sort of solidify that they didn't just take their foot off the gas. But I don't see any reason why they couldn't have had Steven Montez out there handing the ball off every play. It didn't make sense to me to have him in there once it was 37, I mean, that early. Right. And once it's clear that CSU is not going to win the game, I think when you consider all of his history – I know Seppo's a really tough guy, and his injury was a freak injury, and he's, there's a lot of things that would have bothered other quarterbacks that haven't bothered him. But I just didn't see any, like, yeah, you wanted him out there to work on some stuff. Guess what? You're playing Idaho State this week. Have him work on some stuff this week. I just felt like it was that risk that he took was. It was irresponsible. Wasn't but Seppo was irresponsible, too. Seppo should not be diving for Seppo first was downs extremely irresponsible. in the fourth quarter I of agree. a 37-7 game. However... What I can't do is blame a guy. If, if, if you're a player and you're on the field, the, in your mind, when you're the competitor that sure. we know Cepho is, he wants that first down. He wants it. And so you, you, you understand the mindset. You need your senior to be smarter. You need your head coach to be more responsible. But the other thing is, yo, if you want to run out the score, you put in your backup. You get a chance to throw the ball and nobody faults you for your backup airing the ball out. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, like Stephen Montez gets in there and he wants to prove something. It's it's. I mean, just, he it was totally hit. irresponsible by Mike McIntyre. I don't blame Cepho. Once you're on there, your instincts just kick in. You do you. Uh, Mike McIntyre has to be better than that, though. Stephen Montez is the guy that didn't even win the backup job until that game. No, he won it a long time. Ago. I, well, they're I mean, doing a they, solid they, to a senior who's but, still on the roster. And, Technically, what, from what Mike McIntyre said, I know what you just said, and I agree with it, but from what Mike McIntyre said, that job is still up for grabs. Yeah. Well, so, he didn't give Steven Montez a chance to go in there and 
take hold of it at all. Right, and, th and that should tell you a lot. You know, if they were actually trying to figure out who the number two is, you would have seen Montez be given a shot to call some plays, make some reads. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where you hope that this week against a team like this, if they go into the half up 28-0, you'll put Montez in, get Gurky some fourth-quarter snaps. You want to know what's crazy? If they went in the half 28-0, it still wouldn't be as bad as it was against CSU. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm you know what? You know what's funny? I want to hear Ryan Konigsberg chanting from the stands on Saturday afternoon, we want Gurkhas. I actually brought that out in like the second quarter of last game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got one more question about the Rocky Mountain Showdown for you guys, and this was the Colorado Safe Outlet question of the week that we threw out to you guys on Twitter. How did the CU Buffs Rocky Mountain Showdown blowout affect your attitude towards the rest of the season? Uh, Matt Cisneros, the lovely Matt Cisneros, said the goat. The, the goat. Uh, one more win than expected. Jace Kinney, also one of our favorite followers. Real, real quick, I just want to talk about Cisneros for a second. Like, is it just disrespectful to the guy who does graphics for CU that he just he's just putting out doper graphics for free on a weekly basis? Yes. yes. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, Jace Kinney also said one more win. Uh, Garrett Bear, another one of our really loyal followers, said more confident that they will get six wins. What are your guys' attitudes towards the rest of the season now that they – accomplished uh, that blowout win? I, my expectations haven't changed. Um, I remain, I, I, I think I've said that, I think this is the year where teams like Arizona, Arizona State, they, they kind of, I think CU gets them this year. Um, USC also looks kind of vulnerable, but honestly, I, I, I just don't know. I'll know a lot after Michigan. I'm waiting to change or alter any predictions after Michigan, because if they get beat 63-3, to like Hawaii did, which I don't think they will, all of a sudden any optimism that you have after CSU or after watching them against Idaho State, whatever they do, has to be kind of quelled a little bit. I'm waiting until really the first half of Michigan to make any declarations about the team moving forward. Well, as I promised, I said I would know what was going to happen this season at halftime of the CSU game. <laughs> it was Jake's responsibility to get that prediction out of me. He didn't do it. Um, I'm saving and, it for the podcast. And then uh, I saw it later in my mentions. I was like, oh, I forgot. Um, I, I took the bait. This is a, they're going to a bowl. They're, they are going to a bowl this season. Um, they played bowl football team football in that game. And the amount of experience they have, the way they are carrying themselves, all of that tells me they are ready to win games in which they put themselves into, which they definitely have the talent to be in games, they're going to win some, and I'm on board with, with them going to a bowl this season. I took a lot of heat on Twitter from uh, Tyler Ziskin, among other people, for saying that I was leaving the tag on my The Rise t-shirt that I bought for $27 at the team store until after the CSU game because I wasn't 100% on board until I saw the team actually play. And... I took the tag off at halftime. I saw this team, they have an attitude that is totally 100% different from any CU team that I've seen as a student here. They have that just, we belong here, we're so much better than this team, we're going to go out there and we're going to kill them. And I hadn't, I mean, yeah, maybe against Nichols, but even then they didn't play that well. They didn't really play that well against Nichols. They won 48 nothing 
but they didn't really play that well. I haven't seen that kind of conviction in a CU performance in a really long time. There was no doubt. There was no second guessing. They just looked confident the whole time. When something went wrong, it was no big deal. And that convinced me that, yeah, they're going 6-6 six and six this year. I <laughs> will say... My was there, like, a big, like cutting of the tag string ceremony like no i just took it i, I just i actually like a golden pair of scissors <laughs> and a beam of light came down and it was like no. i actually like put it i put it says the rise on it by the way on the tag and so i put it i put it on the um the railing in front of me at sports authority so i'll have to see if it's still there when i go uh, back tomorrow night also tyler's tweet was actually genius i didn't realize what he was saying when he tweeted when he quote tweeted you and said pour beer someone pour a beer on this man i thought he was just being a dick too but he was saying, like, if you pour beer on him, he won't be able to return the shirt because it's stained in beer. Oh. No, oh, that was clever. <laughs> I'm more with Will than I am with you guys. My expectations have not changed, but my confidence towards the team has changed. I, I am more confident in the Buffs' ability. You're more confident in their ability to win four games? Yes. Good um, God, dude. I went from, think, leaning on three, honestly, to leaning towards five. So, you're, yes. You're crazy, man. Um, well, wow. Yeah. Anyways, we... I'm not calling you crazy for saying they're going to win four games. That's fine. But to just say that that game only made you more confident in them winning four games doesn't really make sense to me. Well, it made me more confident about the rest of the season, I should say. But it made me more confident. Like, if I said they have a 5% chance at making a bowl, which it was more than that going into the season, I would say it's like 15% or 20% now. Like, it, it... greatly boosted how I thought the high end for this team can be, and it brought up the low end, too. I, I appreciate your non-willingness to backtrack on your low ball prediction. Uh, I have respect for that. Thanks for the backhanded compliment. <laughs> Anyways, when we come back, I want to talk about the buffs in the rankings, because the buffs are in the rankings, kind of. Um, Fornelli, Tom Fornelli, CBS Sports, actually had the buffs ranked at 7 today and the Fornelli 50. Ryan's face says it all. We're going to come right back and get Ryan's word reaction to that. Who is uh, Fornelli? (laughs) On the other side of this break. Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere. The food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. If you or somebody you know has been in any type of accident, call Flesh Law. You do not want to face the insurance company alone. If you are not sure what to do, Flesh Law offers free consultation and will meet with you for as long as you need. If you do decide to file, we'll have your litigation started immediately so that we can get your case resolved as fast as possible. Call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886. That's 303-806-8886 or Google Flesh Law. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, but before 
we go all the way back. I got to tell you about the Clock Tower Grill. If you're going down to the Broncos game today, because that's when this podcast is being released on Thursday, we're recording it on Wednesday. But if you're going down to the Broncos game today, why don't you stop off on the Lincoln Light Rail Station, hit the Clock Tower Grill before you go down there. Too bad it's not a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, though, because on Monday, they have $3 Long Islands. Wednesday, 75-cent wings. And Fridays, $3 shots. So it is a really good place to go on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's probably going to be a really good place to go tomorrow, too, because it's the perfect place to get your pregame on. That's what their tagline is. So stop, only. Stop, on at the clock, stop on off at the Clock Tower Grill before you go to the Broncos game if you're going today. Stop on off. All right, that works. That stop works. on off. Um, speaking of stop on off, you stopped on off on Tom Fornelli's Twitter, and you have done a 180 on him within the last 30 seconds. You will never hear me say, who is Tom Fornelli ever again? This guy's great. <laughs> Um, do you agree with his assessment that Colorado is the seventh best team in the country? I think that needs a little bit of context there, Mr. Jake. Okay. Well, I want Ted to explain it because I actually didn't read the article. I just saw that it was uh, the Colorado was ranked at seven because I was wow, on my dude, way. Wow, dude, you're the people that I hate. From yeah, how could you possibly rank Colorado at seven? What do you? Yeah. No, his tw- <laughs> his Twitter is great. This poor Nelly guy. No, but anyway. Colorado State scored all caps. <laughs> it's great. I was cracking up on Friday Okay, night. so give the context of the article, Ted. I believe, from what I understand, because I didn't read it either, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. No, but you guys. From what I understand is these are the most impressive performers. Yeah. So he ranked... He, I think he was doing, like, an anti-preseason rankings yeah, type of thing. because I hate preseason rankings, so I'm actually totally on board with this. As a person who least had the least exposure to this article, I think I understand it the most. <laughs> no, it was just who looked really good in week one, and guess what? It, See you in front of a lot of eyeballs on ESPN looked really good. It's based on the same formula that he uses for uh, his worst 25, which is all statistically based. I love this guy. Colorado State holds Colorado to a field goal, and that's the high point of the season for the Rams thus far. (laughs) In all caps with stars, never read too much into what you see the first week, but Colorado is going to win the gosh dang Super Bowl (laughs) (laughs) right before that. OMG, Colorado is the greatest team I've ever seen. The tweet before that is Chip going down a, a swimming lane in a tube. Uh, and then in all caps, Colorado winning it all. This so, guy is Jake, absolutely are, amazing. I'm, ma- I'm naming you the booker of this show now, and your job is to get Tom Fornelli on the podcast next week. I think I'm going to be able to do that. All right. And he says, who will Colorado play in the Rose Bowl? <laughs> well, that's one of the questions we got asked in our AMA by Ben Burroughs. Uh, but before I go into that, because we, we do have that AMA coming, I want to talk to you guys about the actual rankings, both the coaches poll and the AP poll. The Colorado Buffaloes, the pride and tradition of the Colorado Buffaloes will not be entrusted to the timid. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be entrusted to the AP voters because they got to vote somehow. Yo, you did not just pervert that saying. Well, I tried to transition it into that. Anyways, I've been the good guy on this podcast. I'm very high on the buffs. But honestly, whoever is uh, ranking them in the top 25, like pass over whatever you're having. Um, It's strong and potent stuff. But honestly, like Jewish pun. Yo, a, over, a large group stuff. of humans just walked into the Blazer Tavern in awkward-looking football jerseys. Looks like they're about to have a fantasy draft. It's Anyways, the Rams. this is literally, this is literally ridiculous uh, that someone ranked them in the top twenty. Not because they didn't have a good performance, but because we don't have that context that we've been talking about this entire time. Who was good and who was bad? CSU, like I said, we they're definitely not Arizona State, and they're not even 
Georgia State. We so, have all the context Georgia we need, State. Ryan. We have all of the context we need. First, Ryan, how do you know how, who, how good anybody is? You don't, but what, what context do you have to put the buffs into the top 25 after all the years of mediocrity? Because we're not ranking years past. We're ranking 2016. Well, I want to ask Ted something right now, and to put this into context, Ted knows more about Colorado football history than anyone at this table. And no, it's not true. Okay. Brian knows more than me. Well, Ted knows a lot about Colorado Just football history. Ted, talk less. Can you tell us the last time Colorado received a vote? Yeah, it was after your first game that you ever went to. At what, against West Virginia, against West Virginia in, 2008. in 2008. So basically it's been eight years, and we can talk about how ridiculous it is that somebody would want to put CU in their top 25, but somebody could have done that at any point over the last eight years, and not a single AP voter decided to do that, which means that the Buffs made an impression on someone, some lucky soul, for the first time in 38% of my life, and that means something, damn it. Do you guys see the other teams receiving votes? Like, let's let's not act like I, I think Toledo got vote two votes for the top twenty-five right now. Is this like a? It's really cool. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's right, not cool. It's like ridiculous. It's, it's not. Look at the other teams on this list. First of all, everybody kind of. So we're learning that there's a lot other than Alabama this year. Alabama is real good. Everybody else is not all that good. And so college football is kind of down. I'm glad you're Anyways. speaking in absolutes after yes. week one. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely am. The best part about this is Ryan goes into this segment and goes, I want to be the bad guy here. I just, I really don't think so. And Will's like, ah, Will just went worse bad guy than Ryan did well, look, on this but, topic. I mean, we, ever, not, to is, right, not to be outdone. Not to be outdone. Here's Will Whalen's ra- take. Rankings are kind of whatever anyways, right? I mean, preseason rankings are totally worthless. And everything somehow is put within the context of preseason rankings and week one performances. That's all we have to go on. And I'm not saying that I'm putting a lot of stock in the rankings right now, but are you going to tell me that Oregon looked better than CU week one? They didn't. No, they are didn't. You, are you going to tell me that LSU looked better than CU they were playing a re- They were playing real humans. But they literally have no human at quarterback. Again. <laughs> like uh, The old Nick Stevens issue. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... These USC, it's not even that. Like, I get Alabama's good. USC got beat like CU was getting beat by Oregon back in the day. Yeah, no, they. I mean, they All got right. beat like CSU got beat by CU this weekend. Right, exactly. And so, and USC is still right outside the rankings. And so it's like, if we're simply going on what we saw, Colorado looked dominant against a team they're supposed to. I know we're not used to talking about this kind of thing, but this is what Just, 99% of been other talking Power about it, conference but you've teams been talk, do. You've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast. we got to see it against Michigan. If they go – okay, so if because they – listen, a different thing. If they blow out CSU and they blow out Idaho State and then they're competitive against Michigan, I'm, you give them a vote, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. It's just out of nowhere. Like That's the week three poll, though. This is just, it's just crazy to me. Week one polls are always this crazy. And it, the, Toledo received a vote. It mostly makes two, me mad because. Two votes. Two votes. If, Holy Toledo. If, <laughs> if they didn't get a vote in the AP poll, I was totally going to do some investigative journalism as to what coach voted that because I know Neil Welk has set the, bar, set the record straight saying that it wasn't Mike McIntyre. But I was actually waiting for one of uh, you guys to ask Mike McIntyre if he voted for them in the press conference because I thought he was going to have this big speech ready like, 
yeah, you know what? I did vote for them because this is my team and I believe in them. Like, blah, blah. And like, Something they, dope. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Apparently nope. not. But some guy in Omaha thinks the Buffs are the top 25 team, and I say raise a glass to him. You know who else got votes? Not in the AP poll, but in the coaches poll. App State. Um, South Alabama, Southern Mississippi, App State, Toledo. Um, who else? Western Kentucky. Actually, they got – like, but, so but again, so this is Eastern like Mississippi or whatever. Did they beat living humans? Yeah. Kind of. Well, but that's the thing. Week one polls are always wild. And so within that, Colorado deserved a vote because they did what they were supposed to do. You, Will Whalen, you, you have an AP vote. Are the Were you putting the buffs in your top 25 this week? Yeah. Because I don't oh, think there. I didn't see 25 teams in the country that performed <laughs> better than. Are there 25 teams that I think are I in actuality better? Yes, but it's it's the week one poll. How many people had jitters coming out week one? How many people just looked really, really shaky who we thought we were supposed and to be good? It'll CU all did not figure look like itself that. out. See, you week one look like one of the 25 best teams in the country, right. and that's all that's all. That's that all that matters. Thinking. I'm not saying anything about after Michigan. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying for this week, did we see this specific poll? I didn't see. Didn't you see where? Was it 25 that you ranked them? Where did you rank them? Okay. You get, you get one point for being 25. They oh, two points for being 24, right. Okay, fair enough. So that, good for him, man. I get good for it. It's him. just, it's kind of a non, it's a non-story in the grand scheme of things. The non-story that we just spent ten minutes of <laughs> podcast on. Because it's eight years. Because it's been eight years, as Ted said. Um, I want to get into some of these AMAs. I'm just gonna breeze over the rest of that one. Hit it. Ben Burroughs. It has to be A U A. Ask us anything. Well, I guess. It w- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, Ben Burroughs, best hotel to stay in for the 2017 Rose Bowl. I've never stayed in a hotel in, in L.A. Uh, Casa de Sam Foreman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've only stayed at uh, family or friends' houses in L.A., never a hotel. The Shore in Santa Monica. Very good. Um, Wait, did you look up? Like a ho- no, what's no, that I've super stayed there famous many times. Beverly Hills, like the, uh, Chateau something? No, I thought you were talking about uh, the, the, Hyatt, the Riot Hyatt. No, definitely not. It's lit at the Riot Hyatt. Yeah, it is. You guys not know what the Riot Hyatt is? Absolutely not. That's where all like the rockers stayed in the in uh, in the eighties. So like uh, Jimmy Page and like Robert Plant stayed there for like years at a time. Is that the um, uh, is that the place that burned down when they they when Chateau Marmont smoke on the water? I don't think so. That was in Montreux. Yeah. Chateau Marmont. That's what I'm thinking of. I only asked that because I knew Ted would actually know the context. <laughs> Jace Kinney asks, which player stood out most to you guys on Friday night? So one player, each person. Ryan, Star, or Will, Star, Ryan, which guys pointing at each other. Ted. Stop. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so much pressure. Oh, boy. You know who was really great? Diego Gonzalez. Diego kicked that ball out of the back of that end zone a whole bunch of times, and that's not something that we have been used to seeing. And he nailed all three of his field goals, one of which was from the left hash, and just looked like a totally different guy than he did at points last year. Gave me a lot more confidence in him going forward, and a lot more confidence that CU's not going to be giving up as many giant returns this year. Low-key, though, he hit one field goal that was spinning, like as if you took the ball and spun it on the ground. You know how that used to be like a popular celebration? He hit a field goal that was spinning that way, and it still went in. It's crazy. Uh, if I'm going to choose one guy who really stood out, I got to give love to Sticky Hands Devin Ross. He made plays. I know he had one drop, 
Will will probably say that means he had a horrible game because Sefo missed oh, one throw and that no. many had a horrible. Uh, Love it when never. <laughs> See, this is why I get attacked on Twitter. Because you guys sit here and you laugh as you're like, Will has this ridiculous take where it's like half the time when I'm saying it, you guys are like, okay, not always nodding along. I'm not going to lie. But, like, you guys blow it up to this thing that I get attacked for a week on Twitter. And it's amazing. <laughs> Anyways. Half the time these people don't even listen. They're like, oh, I'm just going to say something absolutely stupid because I didn't listen. But I want to jump on board. Anyways. It's great. Uh, keep doing that, folks. Honestly, Devin was a different player. He put in the work. He made catches that he didn't make last year. Like, the one that was high on third down to keep the drive going. Early in the game, I think it was maybe not. They were going the other way, so it must have been in the second quarter. But he made a play jumping up for a ball across the middle, not afraid to get hit. Um, he made other catches. I was, I was just really happy to see Devin, and he looks like a weapon. You know, in the past he was almost – I don't want to say he was – uh, a liability on the field because of his drops, but he's gone from you're not sure if you can throw it to him on an important down to now he's a weapon. I mean, this sounds too easy, but Chidube Uzie, uh, he was the best player on the field out of both sides for either team. Uh, he was an absolute monster. When he made that third down breakup and just walked off doing the, the money fingers, I was I was maybe the happiest I've been in a long time. Like it I was, was like, yes, that was the get most that money. That was the most dominant performance I've seen by a Buffs defender in a really long time. But he set the tone when he had that third down breakup. He didn't celebrate. He just walked off like, give me my money, and it was amazing. Like there was no like like guys were kind of jumping off of all over him, and he was just like dropped his shoulders like, yep, that's how I do. Yeah, he was he was incredible. The, the, the mo- again the most def- dominating defensive performance. I've seen from a CU defender in, I mean, I, I'm right now trying to think of the last time I saw somebody single-handedly dominate a game. Jordan dies on Maybe at Addison Texas Gillum, Tech. honestly. Addison Gillum his freshman year. He never games. dominated games like this, though. Yeah, the CSU was, was wondering what side Tito was going to be coming from every single play. I believe he was totally in their heads. His back handspring after he made that one tackle was just like, oh, man. He was totally physically on a different level than every single one of the people he was matched up against. He didn't even have to hit them right. He could hit guys like with his arms around their shoulders he and just throw the them to the ground. He is the best high arm tackler in human history. Dude, when he literally like Spider-Manned onto that guy and just like jumped him and like wrapped up the top of his body with his arms and legs and took him down on that screen pass. He's just like, I feel like he's more bouncy than he even knows. And that's how he always ends up so high on guys. Rick Gamboa had a tackle in that game where it was just like a yes. one-arm shove. He's just like like you would to your little brother. Just shoved his shoved the guy down and he like fell back on his head. You know, it was that was a beast tackle. I Another agree. guy that was fantastic and my guy that impressed me the most was Philip Lindsay. He had that one fumble that was not so good, but he really set the tone in that game. Coming out right away, he had four carries, I believe, for more than seven yards on the first drive on that 73-play drive, and that really just changed the game right away. Um, but Wait, I want to say one thing about Phil. Phil is dead serious about his fumbling in that game because I saw him walking out of class with a football in his hand yesterday. That's so great. So he's going to fix it. He's maybe the most dedicated, like, diehard CU guy out there, so he's going to fix it. He used to eat Sewell all the time freshman year, and, like, that was the year he had that red shirt thing. He, he tore his ACL, I think. Uh, and even when he was redshirted, like, I never saw a guy more passionate about CU just, like, like around. Like, you know, I'll see football players all the time around campus, and 
most of the time they're wearing football stuff, but not all the time. But like Phil, like if he could wear his own jersey, would wear it around campus because like he's just so proud of the fact that he gets to wear that jersey. I think Phil is a he's a different dude, that's for sure. But he's the exact type of dude. I talk about this all the time with the Broncos and like guys like Akeem Talib, who's on a little bit of a different level. But to be good at football, you have to be crazy, and Phil Lindsay has that. Another one coming from Garrett Bear. Is the Buffs O-line actually okay, or was CSU's D that ju that bad? I'm not nuts about the O-line. I think they will gel if they stay healthy. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Which is already a problem. They're already you? down to their third-string center in that no, game. No. I think you're talking a little bit uh, more about pass protection. I thought their run blocking was – Their run blocking was good. They, It was good – I didn't have the best, I'll, I'll admit, I didn't have the best angle to see the kind of holes they were opening. I thought Philip Lindsay pushed the pile a lot that night. Um, Where were you guys in the press box, by the we way? Were, like, we were in the curve? We were right on the curve. So we I were basically in zone, end zone extended, uh, even a little bit more towards the north uh, corner. But So I didn't have a great angle. You know, 10 yards either way, I would have had a lot better, better angle, quite frankly. Um, I'm in, I'm in a, again, with the O-line, I'm in a wait-and-see mode. Uh, I think that they played fine. Uh, pass protection wasn't spectacular, but I know a lot of that, again, is, you know, Cepho holds onto the ball for a really long time. Um, I thought they were fine, but I think that if they stay healthy, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of room for improvement, and I think they will improve. Yeah, they're definitely solid. Uh, they, they don't, I mean, it's not like, you know, they're the Dallas Cowboys of, college football where they're just going to be dominant on every play sending mountains of men out there but i thought they were they were they inspired confidence i'd say that they inspired confidence that's fair one quick one coming from cisneros will y'all buy my stuff if i start printing them trying to avoid the welfare checks out here welfare well, checks are real i would buy anything matt cisneros does yeah that's i'm it. actually we're actually paying i literally during this podcast have offered him some money to do something for us Matt, if you um, print those shirts of Ralphie Five standing over the grave of Dan Hawkins, I will buy one. Wait, I didn't even pardon? see that. What was that? What was he, that? Did he make that, or did you just make that? No, I can show it to you on Twitter. It's a thing. All right. Please do. Um, another one coming from Sis, but in all seriousness, what does Saturday's performance got to look like for you all to be confident to say we have a shot against Michigan and University of Oregon? There's nothing that's going to give me the confidence to say that they have a shot to beat Michigan. Um, I think they'll compete. I think I've, I've said kind of for months now, I think that Michigan pulls away at the end, and that's fine. Um, I want to see them dominate Idaho State, and if they do indeed show signs of life against Michigan, I might even be picking them against Oregon. I, don't, I, I did not like what I saw from Oregon. I am not nuts You can't put that. too much faith in a quarterback whose last name is Prukop. Like, not at all. It's just, None. He's way off the all-name team. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it'll – I'm not going to pick them against Michigan. Oregon, though, for the question, I'm, I feel confident against them against the Ducks. Jay Buff, see you at Folsom Ass. How irritated should CU fans be at McIntyre keeping Cepho in for too long? We already answered that, but he asked another one, so I'll get to that. Mac, to getting fired was discussed before the season. Is there a time slash record this season that we should worry he'll leave? He is And no, then LSU no. question mark. I no. think that was about um, – no. No. Wait, what just happened? No, not at all. Yeah. McIntyre is not leaving. If he leads, see it. I'll, I'll say this. 
if Mike McIntyre leads them to leads the gosh damn Super Bowl, if they if Mike McIntyre leads them to a record that garners him an offer from another Power Five school, and he leaves Colorado for it, I am willing to, like, I mean, you guys throw things at me that I need to do if that happens because there's not a whole lot I'll say no to. That would be the most insane thing I've ever seen in college football if that happens. If Mike McIntyre leaves the Buffs. If, if my, I'll say this. If Mike McIntyre got hired at LSU, <laughs> I will never – what? I will never, never tweet again. Never I'll delete my no, Twitter. I like I'll delete my life. No tweets <laughs> about food ever again. Okay. If, if Mike McIntyre gets hired by LSU this year, I'll never tweet about food or wine or anything but see you ever Honestly, again. Honestly, if LSU just wants to propose a straight-up trade, who says no? <laughs> Um, That's not going to happen, though. I mean, if they go eight and four, it's it's just not going to happen, y'all. Like it's not going on. Don't don't stress it. Another I one. Love, I just I love it that he went from on the hot seat to is he going to get poached in one game? That's the most amazing thing ever. Oh my lord, that was great. Uh, at Andrew Anderson, double A says, any idea why Leo Jackson didn't get any playing time in the Rocky? He Mount was Jonah? injured. He did play some. I wait. Who am I thinking this. of? I'm thinking of Leo Jackson. He was injured. Number. I thought Leo Jackson was injured too. He's number 52. Did he play? I'm pretty sure he played. Well, Someone with an uh, the <laughs> L, or was it Lee Walker that was injured? Lee Walker. I didn't was see injured. Lee Walker on the field. Okay. Well, that's a really 25. in-depth question that I'm not prepared to answer at the moment. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure Leo Jackson. Maybe that person was thinking of Lee Walker. I'm pretty sure Leo was in there. We'll get back to you on both guys. Uh, we'll answer that one tomorrow on Twitter. Uh, and then in the next segment, we're gonna, we've got one more. We're going to preview Idaho State. We're going to bring back how you say that, a.k.a. all-name team. Um, we're going to bring back the all-name team. We're also going to play a game where I try to pit Let Ryan me just tell you, Idaho State has some names, man. We're also going to try and pit Ryan Koningsberg against William Whalen like we always do. Uh, by making them figure out if a fact about Idaho State is indeed a fact about Idaho State or about something else. Uh, this is going to be fun. So we'll be right back. Real quick throwback. Do you remember when Adam Monster Tiger and I did this on the Nickel State thing and I got five out of five questions correct? No, I just had to get one, one out of five. I don't know. I got one of the questions right, and I got Free Chipotle out of it. Great throwback. It was dope. We'll be right back on the BSN Bells podcast. Euflora is the Apple store of cannabis with three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience. Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to eufloracolorado.com. That's eufloracolorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. 
We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmaps.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast one final time for your comprehensive preview of Idaho State, uh, which includes just the guys with the best names and a couple quick facts about them as well as about Idaho. So, uh, yeah, comprehensive. Anyways... Uh, to give you some real facts about Idaho State, they played Simon Frazier uh, this past weekend, and they actually beat them worse than Colorado beat Colorado State. They won. You mean they seven. beat him? Yeah. It's not, it's not fair to have 11 guys playing against one guy. It's not. It's you know what's not cool? Having a school with two first names. You know what's super <laughs> not cool is playing a D2 school in Canada. They're not even a D2 American school. Idaho State is basically in Canada. I've heard that uh, Idaho is actually a nice state. There. Are, Jake Plummer had nice things to say about Coeur d'Alene. Anyways. Anyways, after Colorado, the Idaho State Bengals are actually playing Oregon State at Oregon State. So expect uh, Idaho State to be 2-1 and one, uh, after September 17th. <laughs> Bengals, more like bangers. Oh, um, the most important thing, according to the Idaho State football game notes, is their ticket prices because that's listed first. Um, very important stuff there. Good bargain or what? Uh, single game prices for all home games are $18 for adults and $10 for children and seniors. I, Sounds like CSU. That's a bargain, folks. They have an indoor stadium, too. No way. The, they do. The Mineola Dome, Dome or something. Eight, and it's the same I feel like they have, basketball. like, orange turf, too. <laughs> they, they might. Um, anyways, the coach of the Idaho State Bengals. Uh, which I thought you were supposed to be quizzing us. I, I, that comes next. Okay, okay. I just feel like you're giving away a lot of facts. Of this the coach of the Idaho State Bengals. This is actually a good, a good fact here. The coach of the Idaho State Bengals is the same coach that was the coach in Montana in 2006. Montana State, Montana State. Jake. Montana State. Yeah. Right. The Grizz. Good squad. Missoula. So, uh, did you hear what happened to this coach, though? No. So he got fired from Montana State. Because his players were running a drug ring. Ah, no wonder they beat CU. <laughs> then he ended up suing the school. And uh, won, I believe. I believe so. Tight. Um, all right, so we're starting with the trivia. Ryan versus Will. Why can't Ted be a part of it? Ted care. can be a part of it. He said he doesn't care. Sheet. Um, yeah, what are you doing, dude? I'm slouching. Y- y'all, if you were here, you would have just seen Will totally just peek at the cards. Slouching. Uh so Idaho State is located in Pocatello, Pocatello, Idaho, Idaho uh, which should we be quizzing you? <laughs> which religion is the majority religion in Pocatello, Idaho? Uh, I'm gonna go with Mormon. Yeah, it's 75% Mormon. Wow, this is already off to nice a banging job, start. Hey. I mean, um, you said it first, so I think you got the point. But I w- like Boise State is a half Mormon school. Yeah. Pocatello's elevation is higher than the lowest point in Colorado. Wait, hold on, say that again? The elevation of Pocatello, Idaho, is higher than the lowest point of elevation in Colorado. Is this true or false? Are you just naming facts? (laughs) Waiting for you guys to tell me if it was true or false. Then say Uh, true or false and then say it. 
Um, I'm going I don't to say know the point true. In Colorado, uh, but I would say. What is it, Ted? 4,300 feet, according to Ted. So, say the question again. I'm very confused. Well, it wasn't a question. He just read a statement. <laughs> the elevation of Pocatello, Idaho, is higher or lower? Uh, well, I said true. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's higher than the lowest point in Colorado. I need to make a correction, by the way. It's 3,300 is the lowest, not 4,300 in Colorado. Oh, that lowest point in Colorado. Everything. I believe that's uh, Fort Collins. Oh. <laughs> true. All right, so is this a true or false, or is this that was a, a true, higher true, or lower? That was a true or false. And what did you call? Ted true. <laughs> I don't remember the question. Yeah, I'm going true as well. All right, it's true. It's 4,462 feet. Name the bowl game Idaho State used to host. The Idaho Potato Bowl. Nope. Um, Famous Idaho Potato Bowl? Are you not giving me that? <laughs> I'm That's at Boise State. Wrong, um, wrong state of Idaho. Honestly, I'm not even going to answer because I have no idea. The Real Dairy Bowl. <laughs> the Real Dairy, Idaho, yeah. The, the Real D? The DRD Bowl. All um, right. So we're both two and one. Are we? Yeah, we both got two right. We missed one. How okay. many national championships has Idaho State won in Division II football? One double A. One. Zero. One. Hey. 1981. Well done. That was a good year. Uh, they were led by a guy named by the name of Tanner McElvoy. <laughs> ah. And he took them to the chip. Did you guys, like, uh, coordinate this or something like that? The best part is you actually believed me, and probably so did, like, ten <laughs> listeners who were listening to this. Out of, out of these three famous NFL players, which played or uh, was an alumni of Idaho State? Played or alumni? There's same, very, same. It's not the they same went thing. to Idaho State. Okay. At one point? Yes. Or graduated? <laughs> I don't know if they graduated because they might have just played Was there. it the last school that they played college football in? Not that? sure. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mer- I was just trying to teach him the difference between played there and alumni. <laughs> Merrill Hodge, Evan Dietrich Smith, Jared Allen. Evan Dietrich Smith. Yeah, that one. All three. But that's a trick question. Uh, yeah, that's of course kind it was. Of awesome. Wait, really? All three? <laughs> All three pl- went Merrill to Hodge. Idaho State at some point. I thought he was from Texas. Yeah. No more. He was. No from, more he's trivia? from Port. I thought he went to the University Whatever, of Idaho. Bad Tie Knots. Ooh. What? Um, we're gonna wrap up the trivia and now go to the all name great what, segment. I would what say. What former Boulder High School player uh, went to Idaho State to play his college basketball and came back to Boulder and competed? Mitch Frazier. Louis Arms. No? No. Oh, uh, was it Riley Grabo's older brother? Yes, it was oh, Chase Grabo. Oh, it was Chase, Chase Grabo. Grabo. Yeah. They're basically the same person. Pretty much. Um, well, anyways. We're going to let Ted go first in the all-name draft yeah, because it's uh, – we're going to well, – how, how many people do you want to draft today, Ryan? Let's go two. We could do two each. Two each. Two oh, each. Three I think there's enough for a three-man three. squad. Okay. Three Three-man squads. Hey, there's some good ones. Okay, so Snake draft it. Okay. Ted to Will. Will's back to me. Or Will, you know, change All right. last – it's fine, it's fine. This is deep class, a deep class. All right. With the first pick in the Idaho State all-name draft, Ted Chalfin selects Fondero Wilson. Oh, that's he was a surefire first. Fondero Wilson, what a guy. Defensive back, five foot nine, out of Bakersfield, California. Uh, the second Could have pick, a big impact on the game, if you ask me. The second pick in the Idaho State all-name draft, uh, I select number 94, 
John Raim Peoples. Ooh, John, John Raim. The six foot five red shirt junior, 230, 330 pound D lineman, formerly of BYU. How do you spell that name? Uh, J O N, no space, capital R, <laughs> H Y E E M, space, Peoples. Peoples. All right. John Raim. I'm a big fan of like really intense first name, totally normal last name. R H Y. It's not the best. The all first right. name makes up for all of it. Plus, he's with his peoples. I got my peoples on my team. Red shirt, sophomore wide receiver, number 17, 5'11", 180 pounds from Kootenai-something, Idaho. Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Good Lord. We've got Tucker Louie McGee. Tucker Louie McGee, triple first name. Almost. <laughs> Louie McGee Tucker would be a way better name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, with the fourth pick, I would like to take running back, freshman, 5'11", 190 pounds, Nehemiah McFarlane. Because it's like, Nehemiah, wow. And then McFarlane, is he Irish? Like, what's the deal here? It's like McLovin. He's an Irish R&B singer. Yes. Uh, and with, I'm going to struggle with this one. Uh, with the fifth pick in the snake draft, Brian Dude, both of Finney and Ganofo. <laughs> Finian Ganofo. Spell that out for exactly people. Brian, F-I-N-E-A-N-G-A-N-O-F-O. Brian, Finian Ganofo, uh, redshirt sophomore, 6'6", 275, out of L.A. Ganofo the mofo is what they That is correct. Uh, yeah, freshman offensive lineman, number 73, uh, 6'3", 335, out of California. Dobby. 73. There's, no yeah, there's, 73. there's literally no 73. There's a 73 on the game notes. Are you all on the roster? I'm on the game notes. I'm on the ESPN roster. Oh, well, I'm, I'm on the I'm on game the notes. official school roster. <laughs> <laughs> um, number 73, Tavi Lueta Yulu. Oh, he's number 63 on this one. But he's on there. Tavi Lueta Okay, okay. Um, for my second pick, not to say it all name draft, uh, I am going to take a chance. Oh, that was mine. On chance Salu Tregui. Yep. Chance Salu Tregui. What's going on at Idaho State <laughs> that he's not on the pronunciation guide? Number 87, 6'5", redshirt freshman D lineman. Chance Salu Tregui. You, you guys, if that guy is any good and I have to announce his game or announce him during the game Saturday, I'm just going to give up. That should ju- you should actually just use his name anyways, regardless. Uh, and you know who we really have to keep an eye on, Bust fans? Wait, you don't that, need to go again. That, that redshirt freshman, Chance Salute, whatever. <laughs> All right, this guy sounds like a fake human. <laughs> this guy might be Nick Stevens' alter ego. Here we go. Number 30, he's the, he's the kicker, Cougar Coburn. <laughs> he's got the, the alliteration going for him, and his first name is Cougar. How did I miss that one? And he's from Arco, Idaho, which is a great name for a town. And, uh, wait, I gotta go. Hold on, I was just telling them before this segment, if you only focus on the pronunciation guide, you're going to miss a good name. <laughs> Cougar Coburn is a perfect example of that. you got to do your draft research. I got a late second round steal. Who was your first pick? My first pick, I have to go back, was Fondero Wilson. Okay. Um, all right, I've your got... Your third pick, your third and final pick. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to... I got a couple of decent... Uh, decent options here but uh you know this one i just want to get somebody with a different kind of 
different kind of name in there because um, I want to try to see if anyone can pronounce this. <laughs> Is this on the pronunciation guide? It's number 15. He's a senior out of uh, Des Moines, and his name is spelled K-W, but there's no uh, there's no period. It's The, the W is lowercase, so I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's K-W Williams, but his name is like Cool Williams. I don't know how. He's a wide receiver. I don't know. if that, Is that on the? Man. It's not on the pronunciation guide. That's an incredible name. This is tough for me. I've got, I've got a couple different names that I've been debating between my – my hot board really got whittled down. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go with a feisty freshman standing six foot one, 208 pounds from Chula Vista, California, from Benita Vista High School, number nine slash nine, a total fox. <laughs> He's a, he's a foxy little defensive back. So he plays two ways, and they felt the need to say that he plays, he wears number nine on both sides? Well, the thing is, is listed above him is number nine quarterback Alex Espinoza. But I literally want to see a dash between his numbers on the field. I don't understand how he can wear nine on both sides. It should be noted, I, don't, I think they wanted to save some money on extra jersey numbers. <laughs> because every player, one through nine, is a duplicate. This is true. They were saving on so the there's two number ones, two number twos, two number threes. No, no number threes. But two number fours, two number fives, two number six, two number seven. All right, 34, number 34, running back, red shirt, sophomore, transfer from Nevada. And this is why this name's so good. He's a running back, and his last name's Woodhouse. Lonel Woodhouse. Good pick. See, I wanted to pick him because he sounded, I could totally picture, like, an archer scene with him in it. With the first name yes. Lonel Woodhouse. <laughs> He is 100% an Archer character. <laughs> it's like Sterling Archer's butler's exactly, Lionel Woodhouse. Exactly. All right, so I have the last. So what do I have here? The last pick of the second round. Ra- last, last pick, pick of the round. draft. This is the last. No, yeah. I have two picks still. No, you've already no, picked, two. You picked two. Oh no. Yeah, we can keep <laughs> this rolling. <laughs> all-name draft, and I've been listening to this show for a year that I've ever heard. We had the Nichols Colonels. be better than Nichols, though. Nickel, shout out, Nichols Colonels. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with a player. We often talk about two first names. This guy has two last names. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Adkin Aguirre. <laughs> what number is this? He was going to be one of the ones that was going to be sad if we didn't get to pick him. Adkin Aguirre, number 24. Our sixth president, James Matt. <laughs> James Matt, like they literally have a president on their roster. Adkin Aguirre, defensive back, redshirt freshman, 5'10", 174. Have you noticed that every player on their roster is 5'10"? Yes, they every have, single one. They have an NFL player on their roster too, Khalil Bell. Is that an NFL player? Isn't he? Did he play for the Lions? It's All right. not a great, 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 great. It's, it's not a great name for this kind of thing, but I love a linebacker, a redshirt senior, Hayden Stout. Ooh, I know he's I like stout that in the run too. Game. You know, I know. That's just a strong. We, okay, no, I'm not kidding though. We've missed some of these. Number 37 <laughs> from Bellevue, Washington. Tate, Tate Razor. Tate Razor. He's, he's on. He's on uh, Glo- Globo Gym's dodgeball team. <laughs> Laser Blazer Taser and Tate Razor. Oh my lord! There the, are just so number many 50, gems on here. The long snapper Andrew Burtonshaw. Yep, that was a good him. one. Um, uh, this confuses. I'm shocked that we didn't even mention. Oh, somebody actually probably already did. No, <laughs> oh, sh- never mind. 
O'Shea Trujillo? No, we didn't get O'Shea Trujillo. O'Shea Trujillo? <laughs> they have a lot of like but there's cross. No, there's no um, <laughs> apostrophe in no O'Shea. O'Shea. They've got a lot of um, half Irishmen yeah, on their team. My people are. I don't want to delve into this too much, but I think we should mention number fifteen, Alvin Delve. Alvin, Alvin Delve. Delve. Nice. Like that's I mean, the kid come that on. got the crap kicked out of him. Him and Robert Kvinsland. Okay. Kvinsland. I, I almost picked Kvinsland. There's just, Kvinsland. We should post that's this whole thing. This two, two more good ones. TJ Troji, uh, not number 95, defensive lineman. Uh, and then coaching staff, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Matt Troxel. Yes. And don't forget about uh, one of the biggest players on the roster, 6'3", 232, Jake Petit. <laughs> <laughs> The downstairs at Place Street Tavern is lit right now. I think we're going to go down there and join them uh, and wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast. For Ted Chalfin, for Ryan Koenigsberg, for William Whalen, I am Jake Shapiro. Follow all of our content on BSN Buffs. We truly had a blast doing this podcast. We hope you had a blast listening. Always interact with us on Twitter. We look forward to all that interaction. And stay tuned to all of our content entering another game week on bsndenver.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 